Via Hemp, let's talk about it. Via Hemp offers THC and non-TH craft cannabis experiences. Now, I love a non-THC option when it comes to your overall wellness. I'm talking sleep aid, maybe anxiety if you have that. Well, that's where Via comes into play. And did you know even a non-THC option if you're doing fertility or IVF can be helpful? Look into that. Well, Via is incredible. You got to be 21 plus. You can get 15% off with my exclusive code TSFS when you go to viahemp, V-I-I-A, hemp.com. They have all kinds of lifestyle products. And like I said, the best part is with the THC or without, so you don't have the buzzy buzzy. Don't you love my cannabis lingo? I mean, the buzzy buzzy. Anyway, I'm unique. What can I say? Look, order now. You're going to love Via Hemp. Use the code TSFS to receive 15% off and a one-time free sample of their award-winning gummies, 21 plus. That's viahemp.com and use the code TSFS at checkout. Support the show. Tell them I sent you and enhance your everyday life with Via Hemp. Summer is almost here. Don't you want to go to the beach with thicker, gorgeous, beautiful locks and everyone goes, hey, I love your hair. And you go, Nutrafol, baby. You know, something along that lines. Well, take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering my listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and you enter the promo code TSFS. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. I recommend it. I've been taking Nutrafol for years. It's how I got my hair back thicker and not falling out in chunks after I had KJ. Now it's your turn. Nutrafol has been on with me for years, and that's because you all continue to buy, and it really works. I love it. Now it's your turn to love it too. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code T-S-F-S. That's Nutrafol.com with the promo code T-S-F-S. Do you enjoy playing relaxing puzzle games on your phone? I do. It's even better when they're free and you can collect prizes along the way. Welcome to Two Dots. I have been playing Two Dots to relax my mind, unwind, and there's something very methodical about it. The premise of the game is you connect dots horizontally, vertically, but never diagonally. And you head from level to level. And as I mentioned, you do collect points along the way if you are into that. More than 5,000 puzzles to keep you engaged and relaxed after a very long day, uniquely designed challenges challenges, game modes, and levels to choose from based on what adventure you are into. And by the way, you can download it for free right now on your Android phone or iOS. I also like the color template of this game. It's very, it's giving me very like pastel-y vibes. So yeah, I think you're going to enjoy it too. If you are ready to kick back and unwind, download Two Dots for free on Android and iOS and start connecting. You guys know I love a documentary. If you haven't seen Poisoned, The Dirty Truth About Our Food on Netflix, go and watch it. At first I was like, I don't know if I want to watch this. I was so sucked in about food safety in our country. And it really impacts kids. Obviously, you know I'm going to have another child eventually. Um, My little KJ. Um, But food safety can if you get salmonella, E. coli, I mean, the damage that it can do to your kidneys, to your body, can be long-lasting for people of all ages. Documentary is wild. Bill Marler, uh, liability attorney, food safety attorney, has spent his life helping victims that have been involved in foodborne illness cases across our country. I'm kicking myself. I saw Bill on the camera. I said... I was involved in the salmonella outbreak of fig and olive in Washington, D.C. in 2015. Do y'all remember? Well, if I had met my friend Bill earlier, I'd be a rich girl. Okay, we'll explain. Hopefully you never have to call Bill, but it's so great for all of us to just be aware of our food sources and what we can do about it. So here's Bill. All right. Um, already, Bill, you're my type of guy. You could talk forever, it seems like. You know, you're one of those... <laughs> You're one of those good attorneys. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but yeah. (laughs) 
So, I, but I get paid to do it. So it's, it's kind of works. Look, Bill Marler is here. Um, and I found out about him from the terrific documentary that everybody should watch on Netflix called Poison, The Dirty Truth About Our Food. You have been, you've dedicated your career. I think your career is so fascinating to food liability and essentially making our food safer, which means over the years, you became very famous in the 90s for the Jack in a Box E. coli hamburger outbreak that how many people 700 people were were impacted what was it four children died it was like the saddest story and it it yeah yeah that was kind of what put you on the map right and and yeah pointed yeah, you in the direction absolutely yeah and you know and you know not only did 700 people get sick and four kids died oh. but you know there were about 75 people that suffered from acute uh, kidney failure uh, so, which is known as hemolytic uremic syndrome or HUS, but it's the bad outcome for this kind of shigatoxin E. coli. When it gets into your blood stream, that toxin is released. It splits your red blood cells and clogs up your capillaries uh, in your in your system, um, your brain, your liver, and of course your kidneys, and causes kidney failure. And most of these children after being on dialysis for a period of time, survived, but they were all left with some long-term complications, which some of the kids went on to need a, a kidney transplant. So yeah, it's it's a it's a long-term problem. Um, the whole documentary is based on the safety of our food, and it's terrifying to watch. Um, you, you're you in the business, so I don't even know how you eat any food. Um, I, would, <laughs> I, would, I would try to live off air. Um, but, I, you know, I'm so fascinated because now I'm a new mom. And it's like, God, you know, we take our kids to like Burger King or McDonald's or things like this. And you don't even think about could that chicken nugget that my child is having cause like kidney failure. It's it's crazy. Um, So talk to me about, you know, I I guess really where to even start because it's just so interesting. But I watched the documentary and then I said to myself, are we even safer with our food? Like, you know, the work you did with Jack in the Box changed food safety because essentially it forced all these fast food chains because this was a major lawsuit and settlement to have a regulation, right? That they were going to cook hamburgers at a certain temperature so it kills the E. coli bacteria, right? You you were the spearhead to make that happen. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing that happened that I, it's actually, you know, a a bit more fail safe uh, was that the, the government, uh, deemed this type of E. coli to be an adulterant, so it was you were it was illegal to sell it. With it, you know, before the Jack in the Box case, you knowingly could sell E. coli contaminated hamburger and get away with it. Um, after Jack in the Box, not so much. And you know, one of the things I say in the movie is, and it's completely true, is is that really during the '90s, ninety percent. 95% of my law firm revenue was E. coli cases linked to hamburger. Today, that's zero. That doesn't mean to go out and eat raw hamburger. But what it does tell you is, is that, you know, it's not all gloom and doom. I mean, we can do things. I mean, government regulation works. Being attentive to the safety of your consumers can work. And so where you know, I wouldn't let my kids eat a hamburger growing up. I saw that. Um, you know, I I would eat a hamburger myself today. Um, so, and I think that just that just underscores the fact that even though some of these problems seem kind of intractable, you know, they're just like, oh my god, how do you deal with this? You know, if you just put one foot in front of the other, you know, people can do stuff, but consumers need to get you know, kind of off the sidelines and put a lot more pressure on industry and the government to do the right thing. Okay. Is that true? Because, you know, it's interesting. I watched the documentary and I was a little discouraged. I mean, is the FDA Mm -hmm. and USDA, I mean, it actually seems like they do less today than they did in the 90s. Like they seemed actually more helpful to you with the the jack-in-the-box case because you really focus on chicken and salmonella in the documentary. And like, it kind of seems like they don't really want to do shit to really <laughs> regulate. I mean, right? Well, Are they, help? Well said, Are they getting better? Well said. Uh, well said. Um, you know, 
<clears throat> the problem the problem in the food space is that unless something really horrible is happening people don't pay attention if you're you know not taking hundreds of millions of dollars from these companies they ignore you <laughs> and you know and that's sort of the reason why like a lot of these problems and i'm glad we you know i really was glad that they highlighted you know the chicken salmonella problem and also the lettuce e coli problem that's still happening oh, yeah, we'll those are the that. two things i'm really glad they focused on partly because to me i look at those things and those are fixable you can fix those things and and the really the problem is is getting government and industry to react before some major disaster forces them to do it and that's really where you know i really i'm not blaming consumers because it's not like we don't have a lot of other stuff to do day to day but we really do need and i hope it's a wake up call for consumers to pick up their phone and call their congress member and go what do you mean it's completely legal to sell salmonella tainted chicken what do you mean it's okay for lettuce growers to grow you know lettuce within a stone's throw of a cattle feedlot what what why is that okay and i think those are the kinds of things that i think we need consumers to talk about Okay, so that's what we can do. So people listening to this, because I'm I'm one of the, like I never care until I have a child, right? And like it right. just broke my heart. I'm like, oh my god, oh. you know, to see these oh. babies like in the documentary, <clears throat> that little boy who died. It's like, oh my god, you know. And I mean, oh, yeah. my son, my the little nanny that he has, you know, she loves to take him to IHOP or wherever. And now yep. I'm thinking like. Right. Oh my God, you're never eating an IHOP again. You know, I like, I mean, not that they have an outbreak, but you know, it's. No, no, so no, no. What can we do? You're saying call your, so calling your representative, is that like the best it's, thing? You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot that consumers can do, but you know, on the big, you know, on the big sort of issues of the day that I think are important. I mean, think about it this way 1.3 million Americans get salmonella every year. And about 60% of that is caused by chicken. And so why is that acceptable? You know, it, it shouldn't be. You know, if you go, you know, your grocery store, the, you know, the people that sell chicken can knowingly sell contaminated chicken to you, knowing that it has salmonella in it. And they know that it's quite okay because the government doesn't ban it, but they ban E. coli from hamburger. Now, <laughs> I'm a lawyer. I try to make things like make sense. You tell me why it's against the law to sell E. coli contaminated hamburger, but it's completely legal to sell salmonella tainted chicken. It makes no sense. And it kills and sickens, you know, hundreds of thousands of people a year in the United States. It's nuts. Okay, here's a dumb so, question for you, because I was thinking about this when I watched the documentary. So with salmonella, is the idea an E. coli, if you cook it to a high enough temperature long enough, you kill the bacteria? So absolutely. If, okay, so if I, like I never really thought about this, but if I cook chicken breast, which I cook all my meat until it's like rubber, it's not, you know, no one in my family enjoys it, but you know, we eat it for the protein, because I just, right. I'm terrified of, that so okay if you do buy a piece of chicken and you see it you don't know if it's contaminated because does salmonella smell like is there an off no. okay so no. you can't smell no. it but as you long can't as see it taste it smell it okay so as long as you cook it off then and you've like you know de you know kind of wiped up all your spaces with a disinfectant killed all the bacteria then potentially you could be fine Absolutely. But, you know, I no think one, one of the best that. parts, I think the best one of the best parts of the movie to me was that sort of reenactment in the kitchen with the mom and the kid and how easy it is to cross contaminate things. And that to me is I, I kind of consumers, we need to be responsible for what we can be responsible for. But look how difficult that was. And look, even the scientists saying how difficult it was. You know, there was a scene in the movie where 
somebody's cooking chicken uh, on a grill. That that would actually was me. That was actually me. And I was, you know, I was, you know, they were filming me. So I'm just like being totally paranoid and watching what I'm doing. But there was a point in time where I actually picked up a piece of chicken with my bare hand and I went, oh, wait a second. <laughs> what am I doing? And, you know, that, that's the, that's a guy like me who knows better. And so I just don't think you need you should be putting that burden on um, fully on, you know, the dad who's not that bright or a mom who's got three or four kids, you know, dealing with or for goodness sakes, for, you know, 16, 17, 18 year old kids in a fast food place cooking your chicken. I mean, that's that's kind of the definition of insanity to me. Okay, if you had to give a grade, you know, because in the documentary, which I thought was, it's like shocking to me because the USDA and the FDA like work for us. You know, they they said, oh, we'll give you 20 minutes, you know, in the documentary. It's like, okay. And then the guy who's the head of the CEO of Purdue Chicken was in the documentary. I mean, do you give these two or these three people that were there any credit or or were you really disappointed in that? Well, I think a couple things. One is... um, Want your life back? Order Hungry Root. It's actually as simple as that. Truly, Hungry Root is the best meal kit service I have ever worked with because they have meals that take 12 minutes. Guys, if you are a busy mom like I am, KJ now just started swim lessons. And on the night that he has swim lessons, we're not home until six. I'm trying to make dinner, trying to get him rested and down for bedtime. When I see that number 12, and I know in 12 minutes I can have a healthy meal, I'm turned on. All right? (laughs) You will be too. Hungry Roots website, so easy to use as well. You just go, you can type in a type of cuisine or if you like chicken, or you can do preset where you tell them you're vegetarian, keto, or you're a meat lover. Right now, get 40% off. My listeners are getting 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash TSFS and get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash TSFS. Don't forget to use my link so they know who sent you and get 40% off right now and free veggies for life. Do you hear that? That is the sound of the brand new and delicious You Natural Conception for Her in their juicy strawberry gummy flavored. Oh my, this is now my favorite thing to take. It's a fertility aid. If you haven't heard about them, they are unbelievable with thousands of five-star reviews on Amazon. Go and read them for yourself. And they're famous for their conception for her and conception for him formula, which Schman, my hubby, has been taking for over a month because it takes two to tango. Conception for her fertility aid is a well-researched baby. They have ingredients like ashkawanda, zinc, magnesium that can help you on that journey to have a healthy baby. So what are you waiting for? Go and order now. You're going to love it and I want to hear from you. Check out You Natural on Amazon and use code FRASER20 for 20% off Conception for Her, Conception for Him, and the Conception Bundle. That's EU Natural on Amazon or follow the link on our website for 20% off Conception for Her, Conception for Him, and the Conception Bundle with the promo code Fraser 20. That's F R A S E R. The number's two zero. One is that industry, for the most part, I, I'm kind of answering your question directly. No, I, that's fine. Uh, but yeah, the um, industry, for the most part, sort of banks on two things. One is they can blame the consumer for not doing things right. And the other thing is that they're likely never to get caught. You know, most of the time you people get foodborne illness, they never connect up the dots between what made them sick and what happened. Or they don't do anything about it. They don't make a claim. They don't talk about it on their podcast. They don't sue them. They, you know, they just, they let it go. And so there's no market incentive for these businesses to clean up their act. And actually the fact that they can blame it on consumers, say, oh, well, you should have cooked it. Oh, you should have handled it properly. It just gives them another excuse to not do the right thing. And so where, where I come in is I try to correct that by making you know a financial statement 
to get them to pay for my client's illness, but also to make public their mistakes so policymakers can understand them. But what's missing in the equation is, is government regulators taking the position that they should be helping protect us, not protect the industry. And that's the problem that we continue to face. I mean, over the years, has the lobbying just gotten worse? Because it's like Purdue it, Purdue, and like one or two other major companies, they control all of our chicken, essentially, exactly. unless you're going yeah. to a farmer's market, right? Exactly. They, are, they control right. everything. So are those, I'm assuming those companies are hiring very high-end lobbyists in D.C. to, I guess, meet with the FDA and go, well, you know, we don't really need this. Like you said, it's the consumer. Blame it on them. We don't need this salmonella regulation. Exactly. That that happens all the time. And, you know, I mean, I got into sort of a, you know, this, the podcast, the, the, the movie has gotten a lot of people to communicate with me in all kinds of different ways, you know, LinkedIn and Instagram and TikTok and things that I didn't even know existed. And uh, so, but, but, you know, uh, thankfully my, have three daughters who are in their twenties who've like schooled me on a few things and I appreciate them. But, um, you know, the, I, there was a fellow the other day that was just like, you know, well, you're just interested and the people who get sick are just interested in a payday. And I'm like, <laughs> I said, here, here's a video. Watch this video. It's of a two-year-old oh. boy who ate a little bit of romaine lettuce off his dad's plate. His dad got a little sick. This kid got so sick, suffered a stroke. And at two years of age, he's now six. He can't walk. He can't talk. And he can't feed himself. And he'll probably live everything else being equal, he'll probably live into his 30s or 40s. I mean, the cost of caring for that child, that young man, is just crazy. And I got them lots of money to take care of him for the rest of his life. But I guarantee you that family and that little boy would much rather be out swinging on a swing and, you know, playing, you know, with his dog as opposed to lying motionless on a bed. And so, you know what, but if people in industry and government think that, oh, this is just a payday, good, you know, again, it's like they're not paying attention to the things that they should be paying attention to, which is how do you avoid a kid like that to begin with? So. Um, What was scary is in the documentary, you guys actually talk about now, you know, we've been taught shop the perimeter of a grocery store. That's like the healthiest stuff, right? Because you're getting your lettuce, you're getting your cantaloupe, you think, Um, you're getting your milk. Okay, shopping the parameter is like the most damn dangerous thing. I ought to be eating Lay's potato chips, apparently. I'm more likely. I mean, you know. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's the stuff that'll kill you long term versus short term. Um, and I think, so, you know, uh, tell us how dangerous, like, yeah. this is bananas, right? I mean, I want you to tell me, like, what is so dangerous about it? And what is there anything we can do? Yeah. So um, most foodborne illness cases that occur, um, occur in products that are what we call ready to eat. They're, you know, they're, you, you might wash them, but a lot of times they're cut for you. I mean, you think about how convenient to walk into a grocery store and get cut cantaloupe, cut you know celery, cut whatever. Have bagged salad pre-prepared in a box. You just have to open it up, you know, dump it in a you know in a in a container, and you got a salad. Most foodborne illness outbreaks are linked to those products because they're mass-produced. Once they get contaminated, there's not a damn thing you can do about it because you're just going to eat it. You're not going to take it home and rewash lettuce that has already been washed three times. You're not going to do it. People aren't going to do it. And so, you know, that's where the outbreaks happen. And um, and that's why we continue to see them, uh, because underlying all of this is, you know, just bad food handling practices, you know, where the lettuce is grown, it's grown too close to cattle feedlots. We have too many cattle feedlots. They're pumping out huge amounts of, you know, cattle waste. 
And that's why we have these problems over and over and over and over again. Um, you know, I, I'll just tell you, I, I'm, I, I have a blog, MarlerBlog. It's great, com, by the way. And, and just like yes, yesterday or day before, I put up a bunch of photographs, uh, you know, uh, Google Earth photographs of a growing area from an outbreak that occurred last summer at Wendy's. Was linked to lettuce uh, grown in California. I knew I by subpoena I got the coordinates of where the lettuce was grown. So I plugged it into Google Earth and whoop, goes down. There it is. I see the field. Then I back it up so I could see what's around it. And guess what? You know, is like next door a cattle feedlot. And you're like, this is insane. <laughs> what what are we doing? What's Wendy's doing? What are the growers doing? Why are they not paying attention to, you know, what could happen? 109 people got sick. Fortunately, no one died. But there were about a, a dozen children that had acute kidney failure and they were on dialysis and in hospital, you know, for three or four weeks. I mean, that's crazy. It's not worth it. What are the, okay, you give a list in the documentary, you the expert that you are, what are the foods that are most dangerous that you would stay away from at a grocery store? Sprouts. Okay. Bag salad. Even when fruit. they even when they tell you it's triple washed, Bill. Oh, I'm hell just yeah. like, that's the wor that's the worst kind. You know, again, ah! I'll tell you, here here's a good story. It's in 2006 there was an E. coli outbreak linked to Dole baby spinach D during the lawsuit we learned we were able to track it to one 20 acre organic farm in the salinas valley and all of that uh was was produced and and cut on the same day problem was that there had been some wild pigs that had busted down a fence and did their pig business in parts of the field clearly not all of the 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 uh, spinach was contaminated. Parts of it were, but it was all cut the same day. It went to the the processing facility where it was triple washed, bagged, and shipped all across the United States. Two hundred and five people sick, five dead, thirty people, mostly young women, because mostly young women eat spinach salads. Mostly young women, acute uh, kidney failure. A couple of them have gone on to have their kidneys replaced. So big deal. There's absolutely no question. Had we uh, harvested that field the old fashioned way where you get bunches of spinach and you sold it in stores in bunches and people went home and washed it and ate it that way. Would there have been some people got sick? Maybe, maybe. But I would be almost even willing to say nobody would have got sick. But when you cut it all at once, you put it through a system, it contaminates everything, you ship it across the United States, takes three or four days to get to Wisconsin. Most of the illnesses were in Wisconsin, Ohio, and Minnesota. Why? Because it spent three or four days perking the E. coli in the bags as it crossed the United States in trucks. So mm. this is, you know, keep things simple is my motto, um, you know, and I think that's probably the best way to be safe is keep things simple. Don't eat overly processed foods. Don't eat things that you could wash and cut up yourself. Um, you know, try to be a little bit more simple. Oh, I know it's not, nothing is like easy in life. There's no convenience. No. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, yeah, no, I know. It's, <laughs> hey, I get it. I've you learned know, this it, about many things in life. It's never, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's no, no simple cut. It, yeah. And, and, you know, it's the other way to look at it is why do we have to do that? Why can't the producers of the food and the government that regulates it, like, figure this shit out on their own, you know? And the thing is, they can. But again, it gets back to the fact that they don't think they're going to get caught. For the most part, uh, I catch them as often as I can, but yeah. I don't catch everybody. And and they don't think they're going to get caught. And the government isn't doing the job that they should do, in my opinion, 
to regulate these people into doing the right thing. Yeah, they catch them every once in a while. They find them. They put them in jail. I sue them, take a bunch of money from them. Some of them, they go bankrupt. But the fact of the matter is, is everyone thinks it's not going to happen to them. And so therefore, they don't think they're going to get caught. Ten years ago, I lost 60 pounds mindful eating. And today I have kept the weight off. I never think about food. I never count calories. Honey, I don't even use one of those darn trackers or apps. I live with food freedom and I want that for you if you are ready and you want it. And that's where My Optimal Body comes into play. Visit MyOptimalBody.com to request an appointment and be sure to let them know that the Sarah Fraser Show sent you so you can qualify for a free personalized assessment plus a bonus free 30-day supply of their gut repair product when you sign up for a customized plan. That is myoptimalbody.com to request an appointment. Why I wanted to partner with Dr. Applin is because he is a doctor that gets to the cellular and gut reason of why you can't lose weight and keep it off. They also work with your mental capacity as well. So many of us are emotional eaters. They address that and their clients see long-term success. If you are ready to lose weight, keep it off, and you don't want to do crazy Ozempic, myoptimalbody.com and tell them the Sarah Fraser Show sent you. How ironic. I love this. Got a new podcast for you to listen to. Yes, I do. It's the Dr. John Delani Show. Schman and I were actually playing a clip from Dr. John's podcast because he was doing the topic of are youth travel sports ruining families? Well, Dr. John Delani has over 20 years of sitting with families and dealing with hurting people and mental health issues. He has a PhD in counseling. Delani walks alongside real people as they navigate tough decisions. And this is actually something that I really enjoy about his show. It's caller driven. I feel like I'm going to have to get a caller-driven show, Dr. John. I love this. Anyway, listen to the Dr. John Delani show wherever you get your podcast, or you can follow the link in the description of this podcast episode. I always make it very, very easy to find my sponsors and people that I partner with. So start downloading and listening today to the Dr. John Delani podcast. Enjoy. Hero Breads. Oh my gosh. Chef's kiss. Do you love carbs? I'm obsessed. Give me a croissant. Give me a tortilla, baby, every day, slathered with some hummus. Yes, please. And then a lot of veggies, a little turkey burger in it. Okay. Um, That's my own proprietary sandwich. Thanks. (laughs) Hero Breads right now offering 10% off. Go to hero.com. Co. Enter the promo code TSFS. You are getting 10% off. Now, Hero Bread is so delicious and flavorful, soft, fluffy. In fact, so fluffy that KJ loves it, slathered with butter and cinnamon every day. They're known for their products to have zero to one grams of net carbs, zero sugar, and high in fiber. So what are you waiting for? Don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code TSFS at checkout. That's TSFS at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Well, I wish you could sue what? the lobbyists that, you know, that yeah, argue for yeah, these I guys. Mean, I wish, uh, you know, because that would make yeah. them think twice about taking a lobbying job. You know, it's like, right. but okay, right. I, I want to go back because I know my listeners want to hear this. List out the items that are the most dangerous in a grocery store. And I so, won't interrupt. Yeah. Go ahead. No, 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 that's fine. It's uh, sprouts, uh, bag salads cut fruit, pre-cut fruit that you buy in little things. Those are the things in a grocery store, in my view, that are like the most dangerous, primarily because you're not going to do anything to them. And if they're contaminated, you're just going to eat them. You know, chicken, you have to understand that chicken is, you know, absolutely likely to be contaminated with salmonella and you have to treat it as such. As I said, I wouldn't eat raw hamburger, but Hamburger and red meat is a lot safer today than it was when I started doing this work 30 years ago. So, and of course, you know, depending upon what state you live in, there are some people that you know you can get access to raw milk and raw juices, especially for young kids. Avoid that um, because they can become contaminated. If you think where like the cow's udder is and the where the E. coli comes from. It's kind of a close proximity. Yeah. I, I've represented way too many kids who've developed 
severe disease, E. coli disease from drinking raw milk or raw juices. So those are, of all the things, I'd just be really careful. You know, the one thing I think consumers need to understand is, you know, bacteria um, are really good at killing the most vulnerable of us. And the most vulnerable are really young kids, pregnant women, people over the age of 65, and people who are immune compromised. That's a pretty big chunk of our society, if you think about it. You know, if you're, you know, a 25-year-old, 30-year-old, 40-year-old person, likely of you dying from, you know, an E. coli infection or salmonella infection is really low or even having severe complications. But, you know, right now I'm working on an E. coli case uh, that's linked to the University of Arkansas to a sorority where there's looks like there's about somewhere between 20 and 40 people sick, including six young women who've developed kidney failure. So, I mean, it can happen to, you know, people who are even relatively healthy. But, you know, that's that's the people, for the most part, that need to pay a lot of attention to keeping hot things hot, cold things cold, washing your hands, washing your cutting board. But, you know, again, my feeling is we should be getting, you know, our government regulators, the industry leaders to be making these things as safe as absolutely humanly possible. Mm -hmm. So moms and dads are not worried whether or not they should take their kid to an IHOP or take their, you know, buy a bag of salad because you want to have something healthy and quick for your kid. You know, that to me is we've got a long way to go when it comes to that. Um, you say in the documentary, buy loose lettuce. So a head of lettuce is better because you can wash yep. it. You can control it. Um, yep. It's not you. It's a woman that's in the documentary. But she's like, I would never eat a raw oyster ever again. Would Do you ever eat raw oysters? <laughs> so I don't. This is like, I, but, can we catch Bill? But my, wife, but my wife does. And, you know, it's like we'll go out to a really nice place for dinner and we'll be sitting there and, and she'll order like six oysters. And I'm just like. You know, I guess that's why we've been married for 35 years. You know, <laughs> she just she just enjoys mocking me. So but but you so. personally would not you would not. You're like, no, I'm no, not going to risk it. No, no, OK, no, um, no. talk to me about pregnant women, because, you know, I'm I have a two and a half year old. I'm trying to have another baby. I often hear pregnant. A lot of women on my show or around my show are trying right. to have babies. And a lot of times I hear, oh, you know, you can eat that. So, you know, you can just go to a high end place and have good sushi. Does high end make a difference? Does Whole Foods make a yeah. difference? No, no. I've I've oh. sued Whole Foods. I can't tell you how many times. And and so you know, pregnant women are uh, the the main thing they're most at risk for is a pathogen called listeria, and it's a it is a we're just having a a horrible outbreak uh, up here in, in the Seattle area where. Six people got sick. Three people died from eating milkshakes, of all things. And I, you know, I've been talking to one of my new clients is a woman, 70 years old. She and her husband married 45 years. And he eats a milkshake. Three weeks later, he's dead. Mm. I mean, it's terrible. But for, for pregnant women, listeria is the thing you have to watch for. And, you know, pay attention to what your doctors say. They they say stay away from deli meats, stay away from uh, soft cheeses. Um, you know, listeria can be incredibly deadly, not so much for the for the uh, woman, but for the for the, the fetus, the baby. Um, a lot of premature births with, uh, you know, devastating consequences to the child. And I've unfortunately have seen that way too many times. Um, but what yeah, I mean, Pay attention to what your doctors tell you not to eat. Um, uh, I, I represented a woman who, uh, in a, a Los Angeles area woman years ago, who uh, was pregnant. She and her partner had, um, uh, uh, you know, wanted this baby for a long, long time and uh, just happened to have a little cheese from a really high end, you know, cheese and wine shop. And the baby was born uh 
you know, three and a half months premature, uh, lived for about a month and then unfortunately just was died because of it was just too traumatic on it. But yeah, I mean, people just need to pay attention and, you know, the industry needs to do a better job of paying attention to making sure these products aren't contaminated to begin with. A hundred and ten percent. I think that's so such a good reminder for women because I think sometimes we go, eh, you know, what are the chances? But you see it. I mean, there yeah. there's chances. You know, listeria. Yeah. I mean, that milkshake outbreak is so sad. What's happening? Because it's a oh, it's kind of a family terrible. owned burger chain. You know, it's it's. Yeah. It, I'm sure they're devastated. It, the whole thing yeah. is so devastating. But listeria. It's a mess. The listeria. Okay, I'm really nervous though because I love ice cream when I'm pregnant. Is it like is ice cream ever safe to eat or no? I thought it was safe. (laughs) (laughs) Have I learned nothing? Bill's like I know, I know, I know. Have you learned nothing? See, I actually, I you know, I think I'm a really nice person, and I think I'm kind of fun, (laughs) and and and, but you know, no one ever invites me over for dinner, so (laughs) no one ever does. I can imagine. and I feel mostly I, I I don't feel bad for me, but I feel bad for my wife, who's a wonderful, you know, a wonderful woman and and a lots of fun. Uh, and a lot of times when I'm out of town, people invite her over because. But yeah, that's the way it goes. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, listeria is a very nasty bug. Um, really wasn't even thought of as a problem in ice cream until really the last ten years. But we had. The bluebell ice cream outbreak that sickened dozens, killed four. Uh, we've had, you know, multiple uh, ice cream outbreaks. It's not the ice cream itself that's causing the problem. It's the failure to clean the equipment that people are using to make ice cream or to make milkshakes. The listeria, listeria is a is a environmental pathogen, so it's it's kind of everywhere. But it grows really, really, really well at refrigerator temperatures, unlike salmonella and E. coli, that the refrigeration retards bacterial growth. And But in listeria, it really likes that kind of environment. So what happens is the listeria will get into a crack, into a piece of machinery, and it'll grow, uh, and it'll multiply, and then it'll slough off into a some unlucky person's milkshake, then they may clean the machine not quite good enough, and then it'll take another three or four or five weeks for it to grow enough, and they didn't clean it well enough, and it'll slough off into another person's milkshake. And you just keep having this long outbreak, which is what happened up here. You know, the illnesses ran from February to July, and there were only six of them. But that's because they didn't clean the equipment the way they should have. So, okay, now ice cream is off the list for pregnant women. Yogurt? Does it happen for yogurt? Or not really because yogurt's cooked? Uh, Yogurt is fermented uh, a bit. Thank you. Um, You know, see, this is why I always hate, you know, giving my list of things that you shouldn't eat because it, it makes me sound like I'm afraid of everything. But, you know... I had a I had a yogurt E. coli outbreak a year and a half ago that sickened, you know, multiple children. It was also the yogurt. It had become the yogurt, the favorite yogurt of the Seattle Seahawks football team. However, that so, happened. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but apparently that was how they marketed it. Um, you know, I think, again, um Keeping things fresh, keeping things simple. Um, you know, my neighbor made some ice cream for us, uh, brought it over to our house the other day. I mean, I didn't have much fear that there that would be highly contaminated with listeria because it was just made that day. Um, but, you know, you do trust people to clean the milkshake machine. You do trust people to clean machinery in a, you know, in a either a big facility or a little facility. Um, and, you know, that's where sometimes it's really hard to understand why people wouldn't take better care knowing how vulnerable 
a pregnant woman might be. Okay, so if you were pregnant, you're basically you're saying keep it simple. <laughs> keep it simple. Yeah. Like over basically like make sure everything's fresh, cook everything. Um yep. and you really have to avoid all things raw, anything that could be a listeria carrier, which is a lot of dairy, right. you know, unfortunately. It's a it's a lot of dairy. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of it too is that, you know, um it's it's consumers can pay, you know, a lot of attention to like if you're gonna you know, obviously stay away from deli meats and and cheeses. That's one of the things that doctors tell you too when you're pregnant. But you know, even if you're an elderly person, um, you know, if you, you got a cantaloupe and you wash it and you cut into it, you know, or it's or the same with fresh fruits and vegetables, if you cut it, use it right away. Don't stuff it in the back of your refrigerator and let it, you know, sit there for a week. Because again, if it has some listeria on it and it you let it grow at refrigerator temperatures, the bacteria will grow to a level that will overwhelm your body and your immune system to fight it. And that's what happens in these cases, you know, whether it's E. coli or salmonella or listeria, you know, the the ability for these bacteria to overwhelm our immune system has a lot to do with the infectious dose, how much of that pro, how much of that bacteria you're getting into your body at one time, it may overwhelm your system. So that's why, you know, keeping fresh things fresh and, you know, using things quickly, don't let them sit in your, you know, on your countertop, don't let them sit in your refrigerator for, you know, weeks and weeks, you know, is the way to avoid a lot of these things. If they're contaminated, uh, and they're in, in your home, that's how you can avoid these things. Uh, a lot of our politicians say, oh, my gosh, America has the safest food system in the world. Is that true? Or is Europe? I mean, it seems like when you go to Europe, the foods are fresher. They have yeah. a lot less, you know, preservatives in them. So what is the truth? Do we do we or are now other countries, you know, going beyond us? Well, we don't have the safest food supply in the world. Uh, and you know, but other countries have their issues as well. Um, you know, I, I'm working on a, a a listeriosis case in South Africa where a thousand people were sickened and 200 died, mostly children. Um, I'm working on another case in France where, you know, 50 children uh, suffered acute uh, kidney failure. Two died from eating pizzas, you know, he, a frozen pizza that you bought in a grocery store. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, what, what likely was contaminated was the flour. So when you pulled the frozen pizza out of, you know, the and stuck it in, you probably got some on your hands, got in your mouth and, you know, your kids are in the hospital. And so, um, yeah, so it does happen that, you know, these outbreaks happen. But, you know, there's also a lot of things that like in Denmark, They've been able to reduce, and I think it was in the movie, they've been able to reduce salmonella in their flocks significantly by if your flock tests positive for salmonella, that flock gets eradicated. I mean, most Americans don't realize that over the last couple of years, we've killed tens of millions of chickens because of bird flu. So something that we're not likely going to get but it is a problem for birds. They'll kill the birds because of what might happen to the birds, but they won't kill the birds of what might happen to us. So there are some things that you can do. Um, one of the things I, I'm heading to uh, London Saturday for to speak uh, on a food safety conference. And one of the things that's interesting in London is they do what's called name and shame. Uh, the health authorities will actually go into a grocery store, take chicken out of it, They'll test it for salmonella and campylobacter. If it tests positive, they'll tell the public. And so then the grocery store is like, oh, I got to do more to fix this problem. So then they call up their, you know, their chicken producers and say, you need to fix this problem because I'm getting embarrassed. And so there are things you can do to kind of help the system correct itself for consumers not necessarily knowing you know, what made them sick? 
Oh my God, that's a great idea. Wait, so we could do that yeah. here, right? We could go oh, into absolutely. our Ralph's and we could take the chicken. We could test it at home for salmonella and then we could just shame Ralph's and the, and yep. okay. Okay. Someone's going to do that idea. Um, oh, hey, I've done that. I've done have? that myself every once in a while. Um, That'll get their yeah, attention. You're right. That'll yeah, get their attention. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I did it in Seattle. Oh, I guess it's been several years ago where I, I you know, spent like, you know, ten or twenty thousand bucks testing chicken, and um, you know, and found out who it was, and then, you know, gave the information to the local TV station, and then they went and said, you know, oh, they're all, oh, they're all mad at me for doing the testing, as opposed to being mad that they're, you know, the suppliers were sending them, you know, uh, chicken with chicken shit in it, so. Are there any companies doing it right? Is there anybody you can give credit to that you're like, you know what, this company has contacted me or has contacted Food Safety and are really trying, like, is anyone doing it well? So um, some of the grocery stores are actually doing a pretty good job of putting pressure on their supply chain. Costco. Oh, uh, okay, Costco. Okay, Walmart. Costco, Walmart, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they have done a pretty remarkable job of putting the pressure on the supply chain to fix the problem. The one thing that I have found, though, is, is that the with the pressure also needs to come a little bit more sharing of the profits. Because if you're asking your supply chain to step up and to do the right thing, they actually need to be paid to do that. And so one of the things that I've been encouraging, you know, especially the big box stores, the big box, you know, uh, restaurant chains is, you know, to share their profits with their supply chain so they can invest in food safety. Oh, wow. And and really, I mean, gosh, I mean, you think of like Purdue, they need money like they or is there a middleman? Like what, or or it just costs more than we think. I think oh, produce like uber it, it, no, rich. No, no, but... no. But it's you know it's stockholder pressure. You know, a cent a pound for when you're producing, you know, millions and millions of chickens a day. A cent a pound adds up, and that cent a pound might have an adverse impact on their stock price. It's, they just need to look at the big picture. And again. We all kind of have this, you know, anti-regulation kind of thing going on with us. Yeah. But it's that's where regulation really kind of comes into play. You know, it has to be smart. It has to be scientifically based. And it has to take into account to the size of the company that you're regulating. Because you don't want to regulate all the small players out. So then you have to deal with all, only big players. But you want to make regulation to kind of help even the playing field. So people have to live up to, you know, what they're supposed to do. That's the beauty of what the USDA did in 1994 when they said, thou shalt not have E. coli in hamburger anymore. Everybody had to play by that rule. And guess what? They put me out of the meat business. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize this. I, I told you this before we started recording. I'm so mad that I just found you through this documentary because I was a part of the fig and olive sickening. Of, was it salmonella in 2015? It was. was it, it was salmonella. Yeah, it was salmonella. And, and it was D.C., DC New York and L.A., almost all the same time. I'm so depressed, Bill, because that lawsuit could have bought me my Hermes bag, but <laughs> it's OK. Well, it, it probably would have done more than that. But, you know, the. The, there were some really, really, really sick people, and uh, you know, now, many people were hospitalized. It was there were some really, yeah, there were some really f sick folks in that outbreak. Okay, well, that was my question to you for people listening because millions of Americans are sickened every year by E. coli, Salmonella, Listeria. Okay, so when I was that sick, when from the fig and olive, it was from their truffle oil and their truffle mushroom mm -hmm. croquettes that my yep. husband and I had had. Yep. It was the first time ever in my life I said, oh my God, I know how people die from um, food poisoning yeah. ever. I, Cause I'd never experienced anything like that. I mean, like you almost couldn't leave the bathroom. It was like really right. wild. I was just like, oh my God, yeah. is this gonna, and you know, it, I never got quite to the point, like I thought I needed to go to the hospital, but and I and so therefore I never did. And I thought, well, I wasn't hospitalized. I can't sue, 
right? I can't be a part of this lawsuit. Um, But is that always true? Like if somebody's listening and God forbid, I don't know, their child gets listeria but doesn't need to be hospitalized. I mean, is there still legal recourse and should people pursue it? Right. So, um, you know, because you were not tested for salmonella, you that if you were just in and of yourself, just one person and you gotten sick, it, yeah, it wouldn't be worth trying to go forward. But when you're part of a recognized outbreak that literally hundreds of people got sick, you know, the, you know, it uh, we know what caused your illness. You ate there. You ate the same product. You, you had onset of symptoms. Here's an interesting little kind of an odd fact for every one person counted in a salmonella outbreak, the CDC estimates that there's 38.5 other people who got sick but didn't seek medical treatment, didn't get stool cultures. So you were part of that 38.5 other people who weren't part of the outbreak. What you think about it, that that likely that uh, outbreak linked to fig and olive was of the 200 and some odd people who got sick, there were 38 times that number that actually got sick. So we're talking thousands and thousands of people that got sick. Oh, oh my God. Okay. I can't go back. I like, this is so depressing because I I would have gotten so much money. But anyway, um, you, you know, your work is fantastic. I, I just, like I said, I saw this documentary. I was like, oh my God, I have to have Bill on to talk to my, to my viewers. And so many of them have kids and you put out an awesome blog. Um, and it's uh, marlerblog.com, right? You and you you blog almost daily. I do, I do. It's a uh, my wife. Yeah, my wife catches me <laughs> doing it at odd times. So <laughs> she goes, "How do you ever have? Yeah. Do you ever have not something to say?" And I'm like, you know, it's like, yeah. I no. mean, there's. I, I, hey, I'm really passionate about what I do, and I, I'm I'm really lucky to have a a job that I really enjoy. And and I love helping these folks and I love trying to fix problems. And um, so, you know, I kind of do what I can, you know, sometimes I feel, sometimes I have to, and I know they caught me on film, you know, being a little depressed. Yes, Um, you were. I was, yeah. Then I was depressed. Yeah. 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 It, sometimes I feel like, you know, I don't work hard enough or fast enough. And, you know, that kind of bothers me. So I then I just keep working. So but um, yeah, no, I I'm really lucky. Most lawyers hate their jobs. Most people hate lawyers. I, I just happen to have a lawyer job that I really love. And, you know, and if somebody doesn't like me for representing little poison children, hell with them. So oh, yeah, screw them. Um, I love yeah. the blogs. I mean, you you were one recently is what's with Trader Joe's and recalls and you go through all the recalls of their stuff like from this summer. I mean, like they had like metal and shit. Like, I mean, that's like so crazy how they can do metal, that. Metal, rocks, you know, they had milk allergens that could, you know, be deadly to some people. So, yeah, you know, I mean, again, so much of what we do in this space isn't rocket science. It's just paying enough attention. This is a little cliche, but there's uh, uh, Frank Giannis, who's uh, in the movie as the guy from the FDA. He didn't get quite as butchered as the lady from the uh, USDA. But, you know, Frank has worked on this concept called a food safety culture. And it really is like creating a culture where people are paying attention to details. And uh, I'll maybe leave you with this example. Yeah, leave me with this, yeah circling back to Jack in the Box. You know, the Jack in the Box outbreak, as I kind of pointed out in the movie, was caused because they knowingly ignored food safety regulations. They they said, you know, you know, we don't need to pay attention to Washington state, which has higher cook temps than the other 49 states. Instead of saying that, why didn't they go now? Why is Washington's cook temps higher? You know, what what maybe we need to pay attention to that. And that's where I talk about food safety culture. There's never been an outbreak that I've been involved in where there wasn't some warning sign before disaster strikes. Mm. And it really is, do you have the people who work for you? Do you have a culture of being able to speak up and say, hey, we got to do this because X, Y, and Z and have a 
CEO or a CFO or a chairman of the board, the board of directors paying attention because you don't want me showing up on your doorstep. You just don't. And it's not good for the company. It's certainly not good for my client. Um, and the person, frankly, it's only good for is me because I'm going to get paid. Right, right. I know. And wouldn't it be nice if you were out of business because food was that safe? I know. Maybe I could maybe I could start a competing <laughs> podcast. You'd be great. <laughs> You'd be great. You're very entertaining. You're very entertaining. Bill Marler, thank you for your time. So amazing. Oh, thank um, you. The doc is still out. Poisoned the dirty truth yep. about our food. So good. Bye, Bill. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Thank you. Have a great day. You good too. luck with the kid. Thank Bye-bye. you. See ya.